ESPN Radio. Chris Canny and Shea Cornette on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and ESPN+. Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And as always, we want to encourage you guys to tap in on the Canny call-in line, 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. And we got a jam-packed show for you today. We got to talk about the Major League Baseball owners not being able to get their act together and threatening to miss games and not have a full baseball season. We'll get you updated on the latest with that. Of course, we got post-All-Star break NBA action. And, Shay, when we had our production meeting earlier today, I thought that's where we were going to start our show. But, unfortunately, the Aaron Rodgers drama decides to tell all of us to hold our beer because now we got more noise coming out of Green Bay. And it's time. It's the general manager, Brian Gutekunst, doing all of the chirping, talking about the future of Aaron Rodgers and what's going to happen before the start of the new league year. Now, of course, we all remember the reports Last summer, with the concessions that they made on the length of contract for Aaron Rodgers, the thought was, according to Rodgers in his camp, that if they wanted to reconvene this offseason and Rodgers wanted to be traded, the organization will acquiesce. Well, we got a different tune from General Manager Brian Gutekunst yesterday when he talked to our very own Rob Demosky, ESPN's Green Bay Packers reporter. And this is, I quote, that was not something I told him. This is Brian Gutekunst. Again, I think the whole conversation with Aaron last season before we came back was that regardless at the end of the past season that we would sit down as a group and we would work it out one way or another. Now, it sounds very noncommittal if Aaron Rodgers indeed wants to be traded that Brian Gutekunst would, in fact, explore a trade. It all seems like a very ominous sign for Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay in 2022, Shay. Yeah, you know, I, I when I heard these comments from Gutekunst, or read them, rather, via uh, Demonsky, I thought to myself, yeah, this is exactly what Aaron basically told us in that press conference last year that had my jaw legit on the floor. If you remember, when he was asked if he was given the decision to pick where he was going to play in 2022, so at the time that was a season later, where we're at now, Roger's response in that press conference was, no, that's not what I've been told or understand. No. So this is not, I guess, exactly what Gutekunst is telling us, but it's pretty much the same. So I was never under the impression that Brian Gutekunst said to Aaron Rodgers, let's let's go through this year, and then you're on your way out the door. Obviously, there's going to be some push and pull with an organization where it's all Aaron Rodgers. And so in my opinion, this wasn't that surprising to me at all. Well, it was surprising for me from the standpoint that the Green Bay Packers are going to need Aaron Rodgers to play ball in the next three weeks before the start of the new league year on March 16th in order for them to get under the cap. Aaron Rodgers has a $46.1 million cap hit in 2022, and the Green Bay Packers are now currently $37 million over that projected cap. So you have the situation with Devontae Adams as an impending free agent. The thought is that the organization could potentially franchise tag him that's another $20.145 million. So Green Bay, if neither one of those guys are willing to work with the organization, would be $57 million over the cap in trying to figure out a way to get under it. Now, we know so, that there's always creative ways to restructure contracts right. and all of those different things, but they would still be faced with some tough decisions with guys that they would like to keep as core players. So I think it would be very interesting what happens with the Packers if they aren't able to come to terms with Aaron Rodgers 
and Devontae Adams. Now, I'll say this, Canty, and you would know this better than I, obviously, having played in the league. It doesn't sound like Devontae Adams wants to be tagged. Aaron Rodgers doesn't really want that for him to be tagged. And it doesn't sound like players usually love to be tagged either. So it sounds like that right now, obviously, Devontae Adams can't do anything to Aaron Rodgers make, makes a decision. Everyone is kind of handcuffed in the organization till him and Brian Gutekunst have a meeting and make a decision together. But it sounds like there'd have to be a lot of restructuring because the tag isn't just the answer that will make everybody happy. No doubt about it. Players don't want to be tagged, Shay, because yeah. the player is assuming all of the risk in that season on their way to trying to get to the long-term financial security that everybody is looking for. And Devontae Adams is 29 years old, if we're being honest. This is his last big bite at the apple. He's still considered one of the best, if not the best receiver in the National Football League. There's no way that he wants to incur the risk of injury in the 2022 season. And then coupled with the fact that he could be potentially playing without Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. and have to worry about Jordan Love and what his production could potentially look like going into the 2023 offseason. So, yeah, Devontae Adams is in a tough spot, which is why I think Aaron Rodgers is applying maximum pressure on Brian Gutekunst and the Packers organization. Here's Brian Gutekunst in his own words on whether or not he's going to trade Aaron Rodgers this offseason. If Aaron comes to you and says he, he wants to trade, are you going to be any more willing to trade him than you were last offseason, or are you still saying you're not trading him? Yeah, no, Matt, we're, those are kind of some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. We're working together. We're not uh, putting deadlines on anything. Again, there are some timing things that will come into play where we will have to make decisions down the road. But he's, but Aaron's well aware of that. And, and like, like I said, the communication has been very good. How anxious are you, as GM, for him to make a decision? Yeah, like I said, the earlier the better. Shea Cornett and Chris Canning on ESPN Radio. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And Shay, what I read from that is a bunch of nothing. And Same. it seems like Brian Gutekunst is resistant to moving on from Aaron Rodgers, which is consistent with everything that we heard once the Packers' season abruptly ended in that divisional round loss to the 49ers. Matt LaFleur said it. The president of the organization said it. The general manager said it. They were going all in on Aaron Rodgers in 2022 and beyond. They would restructure contracts. They would add voidable years when necessary. Similar to what we saw the New Orleans Saints do, their general manager, Mickey Loomis, at the end with Drew Brees, they were willing to go to those lengths for Aaron Rodgers in order to cater to him, make him feel comfortable about staying with the organization in 2022 and beyond. And so I think that's the mentality of the organization, and they haven't allowed themselves to think about an alternative to that. Which is what they should be doing. I mean, come on, you're talking about the guy who won MVP in consecutive seasons. I mean, he's playing at his prime, which seems insane to even say. But I will say this. It was about two weeks ago now that Aaron Rodgers basically told, maybe even over over that, he told us he was going to make a decision relatively quick. Well, if we're going to make decisions relatively quick, if we're going to combine that when franchise tag discussions start, now would be the time. And I know we know that report that came out of Diana Rossini earlier today in her saying that different clubs have contacted the Packers in regards to a trade. Like, now's the time. If we're going to make decisions relatively quick, we're not going to handcuff the franchise that you've been a part of for multiple decades at this point. Like, let's get to it, Aaron, because this constant push and pull. And let me tell you something, Canty, because I haven't really talked to you in the last couple of days. I was 
hot after Aaron Rodgers had his usual sit down with Pat McAfee in his Instagram post. Like the way he communicates as of late is just talking down to every single person that he speaks to and not understanding his cleanse and go read a book and all this other nonsense. And it's like, bro, we are hanging on your every word. If you don't want this and you don't want us all speculating about it, let's make a decision and you stay to your word because that's what you told us all you were going to do. So I hope Diana Rossini's right that this is going to come sooner rather than later and everyone can meet and go on. But this whole push and pull, I think, between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, because now it seems like everyone's getting along. They're going to work together to make a decision. (laughs) Right, exactly. Hilarious. Because once Aaron Rodgers does make a decision, which in my opinion is going to be to get out of Green Bay, then he's going to turn into the villain, and Green Bay is going to probably massage it as such. And I get all that, because they're going to be salty about their MVP leaving town. But this whole they're getting along, they're working together situation, it was a handshake deal, there's no miscommunication anymore. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah, Shay, apparently the cleanse didn't work because Aaron Rodgers is still full of it. I mean, the IG post that he had at the beginning of the week, we all thought was a precursor to him making an announcement. Right. Then he has a scheduled appearance on his buddy Pat McAfee's show. We're thinking that's when it's going to come because he told us weeks ago that he wasn't going to drag this out, and yet he's doing exactly what he said he would do. And here we are. Exactly. And so there, there is the hypocrisy of Aaron Rodgers. And that is Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And, Shay, it doesn't feel like there's going to be the resolution that everybody is speculating about when it comes to Aaron Rodgers potentially retiring. I don't understand why people go down that road. This is a guy that's obsessed with his legacy. I don't know how Aaron Rodgers retires knowing that he's still only got one championship. He's still only been to one Super Bowl, and he's one MVP shy of where Peyton Manning was at with five. So I – I don't see him walking away because when you have the conversation about greatest quarterbacks of all time, yeah, from a talent standpoint, Aaron Rodgers is with those guys. But when you look at the resume and, more importantly, the postseason success, his resume is a little bit light. And so I don't see him walking away from that. I still think it's about championships for Aaron Rodgers. The question is, does he feel supported by the Green Bay Packers in a way that he feels he can win a championship with this club moving forward? That's the question that nobody has the answer to. I'm, I've stopped trying to get into Aaron Rodgers' head since last summer. I don't want to live in that space. But I think that's what we're going to find out over the course of the next weeks when he makes his decision, whether or not he believes that it's still a championship organization. He ain't retiring. Every time he starts a press conference or speaks, he says how he has realized and understands that he can still play this game at a very high level. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but I mean, how many times, Canty, in the last calendar year have you heard him say this sort of phrase? Multiple. He ain't retiring knowing he can play at this sort of level. He just doesn't want to go to training camp, doesn't want to deal with the BS that we all have to deal with until he makes a decision. What's Aaron Rodgers' trade value if he were to move on from Green Bay? Shay and I'll have the answer for you, but first, a word from eBay. When a part of your offense isn't firing on all cylinders, kind of like the Packers in the divisional round, it shows. Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. When this happens, the only solution is to replace that part with something better. It's the same with your car, but unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. That's a lot of parts. That way you can get the parts you need to make your car a winner. Visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. (laughs) 
Shay Cornette, Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at ChrisCandy99 and at Shay Pepler. And Shay, it seems like Brian Gutekunst is trying to work with Aaron Rodgers, trying to be collaborative to the end of him coming back and being the quarterback for Green Bay in 2022. We did actually hear from Brian Gutekunst on what the process this offseason is going to look like, like, look like. So let's listen in and see what he had to say about this next coming weeks and how they're going to try to work their way through the decision that Aaron Rodgers has to make. Obviously, everything around here kind of centers around the quarterback. That's kind of how we do things. So it's a big piece. It's a domino that um, kind of has to fall before we go down, you know, other avenues. So, um, so it's important, you know, as we go through this and the, the puzzle pieces that we got to make fit, I think. So um, that's the first one to go. We've had really good conversations with, with Aaron and, and everybody throughout the process. So, um, you know, it just, it's, there's some timing things that obviously come into play. Um, but, again, we've kind of got it mapped out. I think, again, this has been more of a conversation about kind of where, where we're headed and together. And um, that's, you know, there's a process that obviously we're going through. There's a process that he's going through, and I think we're very respectful of that. Now, Shay, usually when it comes to big decisions in life, when it comes to hires from companies, yeses take a whole lot longer than noes. But in this sense, Aaron Rodgers has known that this decision has been coming for a year and a half, and yet we still don't have a commitment from him to the Green Bay Packers organization, regardless of how well the conversations have been going with the front office. So i got to open this up to you. Do you think it's likely that he stays in Green Bay, or do you see him deciding to go somewhere else and play football in 2022? I have thought since he posted that image of MJ and Scotty, last dance, bumping, alluding to him and Devontae that this was going to be the last ride, as in last season, in Green Bay. And I'm going to stick to that, even though all these suspicious posts and wording things in circles and making me feel confused. I'm not even going to fall for all this because I can't keep up. I uh, admittedly can't keep up. So I think this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' swan song, or has been, I guess, in Green Bay, and he is on the move. And and in terms of trade value, because I know that's going to be like the next thing that we discuss here, Canty. Oh, yeah. We have to have tears to this, right? Because I'm going to remove Deshaun Watson because I don't want to get into all that until that's sorted out. But in terms of quarterbacks, I'm going to assume are on the move. Aaron Rodgers... Russell Wilson, and let's just call it Carson Wentz. Am I missing anyone in, like, those top-tier kind of quarterbacks that will be on the move? Again, remove Deshaun Watson. No, right? I got everybody, yeah? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? Did you, maybe did you Gar- Sure, yeah, maybe Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Okay, so of all those, Aaron Rodgers probably is at the top of the tier, right? You'd give yep. up the most to get him. So in my opinion, you give whatever you got. Mm-hmm. If you are a team that's only a quarterback away, teams like the Colts, the Broncos, the Steelers. I'm probably missing one in that group that you know that I don't. Only a quarterback away. Give whatever you got. Go full-on Rams on them. Give away two twos. I'm sorry, two ones, two first-rounders, a second and a third, some money. Whatever you got in the bank, give it away to get Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion. And then it can kind of go, in my opinion, tears down from there, right? Like Russell Wilson would be the next, and then probably Jimmy G and Carson Wentz at the bottom. But the the top level, meaning Aaron Rodgers, give whatever. Whatever you got. And, Shay, I said that to Mike Greenberg yesterday when I was on Get Up. I, I asked him, could you give up enough to get Aaron Rodgers? Could you give up too much? And I didn't think the answer would be yes. I don't, I don't think yeah, that no, would I be agree. the case. But the other thing that you have to factor in is the age that Aaron Rodgers is. You're talking about an age 38 season. Years. And then knowing if you're dealing for him, you're probably talking about giving him a brand-new contract and making him the highest-paid right. player in the NFL. 
you have to be comfortable with what all those I'll things bet. mean yeah. for your franchise. And, you know, usually there's a sliding scale when it comes to the compensation that the player would be owed on a new contract and the amount of draft capital that you're going to give up. So I, I, I'm with you on Aaron Rodgers. I think any of those teams that are a quarterback away would be lucky to have him. But when we say out of the quarterbacks that we're expecting to be traded at the top of um, of the top of the market, Russell Wilson would be interesting to me from the standpoint of him being in his you know 33 years old, having a little more runway. You could potentially be talking about having Russ for 10 more seasons versus having Aaron Rodgers for four or five. So I think that's the only caveat to that. But I wholeheartedly agree with you. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, if you're the Indianapolis Colts, if you're the Denver Broncos. You need to consider moving heaven and earth in order to try to get Aaron Rodgers in order to come play for you. And the fact that those are AFC teams and not NFC teams, Mm -hmm. clubs that are not direct competitors with the Green Bay Packers, at least not until you're talking about the Super Bowl, then I think it makes it a little more palatable if Brian Gutekunst and the Packers brass get backed into a corner by A-Rod and he's insistent on being traded this summer. But the one thing I will say is this, the Devontae Adams piece – is also interesting to me because I'm not sure that Devontae Adams would want to stay in Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers wasn't his quarterback. And if that happens to be the case, then what happens in if you're the Packers? Do you carry the, the $20 million franchise tag that Devontae Adams would seemingly be unwilling to sign unless you traded him to the team of his choice? I, I don't know, but it almost works out for Devontae like he has a no-trade clause just because of the dynamics that you have with Aaron Rodgers, but then also the salary cap situation for the Packers. Yeah, if he st- so hypothetically speaking, if Devontae Adams stays with the Packers, let's just say, I mean, A, to me, he becomes the face of the franchise. I mean, sorry, it's not going to be Jordan Love out of the gate. It's going to mm-hmm. be the beloved Devontae Adams for staying there in Green Bay, and then he can become one of the top-paid dudes, top-paid receivers in the league if they can restructure some contracts. There's a win for him, or he follows Rodgers to a team that hopefully can compete for a chip right away. In terms of Rodgers' age, I'm just, like age now in the NFL and even the NBA, Quite frankly, it ain't, not, it ain't nothing but a not, number. It ain't nothing but a number. <laughs> no, Tom Brady went to a team and won a chip. After that happened, I'm like, I don't ever want to talk about someone's age again. Because if it means they got one good year and you get one championship, what do you care? You could be playing young dudes for 10-plus years and never win one ever. Like, if you've got a proven commodity under center, I don't care if he's 80 years old and he's throwing like Aaron Rodgers, who cares? Shay, let's go out to the hotline and bring on Chris in Iowa. Chris, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Doing hey, good, love man. The show. Absolutely. What you got for uh, us? So I'm a almost 50-year-old diehard Packers fan. Grew up an hour from Green Bay. And what is it with Green Bay quarterbacks and all the drama? I, I, I'm, I'm to the point now where I think they should tag and, and, and trade. I know it sounds stupid as a Packers fan, but I think they should tag and trade Devontae. And I think they should trade Rodgers. Well, Chris, Chris, I think you're going to ultimately end up getting what you want. It doesn't feel like the two sides are going to be able to find common ground that's going to lead to Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback in 2022. I just, I don't know. I feel like the comments from Brian Gutekunst to Rob Demosky yesterday, that's an ominous sign for the organization. It feels like this is a cloud that's going to loom over them for the next week and a half until Aaron Rodgers announces his decision and I don't think his decision is going to be a popular one with people inside the building so I I think you're going to get your wish the organization is probably going to reset and they're going to get a bevy of draft picks and alleviate 
uh, some of the salary cap issues moving forward. The question now becomes, were they justified in making the decision to irritate Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago by drafting Jordan Love? And we probably won't get the answer to that question until years down the road, but I think that's the corner that they backed themselves into by not communicating properly. Candy, if you think I'm going to sit over here and feel bad for some Packers fans who have to deal with quarterback drama every, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years as a Bears fan hanging out in the NFC North, please, I've got no time for that. If a little drama surrounding Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers comes your way every decade or every other decade, I think you're going to be okay there in Green Bay. Yeah, and you know what, Shay? I'm not feeling bad for Brooklyn Nets fans either because it seems like they're going to get one of their star players back. So how dangerous is the Nets team with KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons all playing full-time? Shay and I will have the answer for you on the other side of the break. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. ESPN Radio. Weekend's Eve on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Plus, Shay Cornette and Chris Candy rocking with you. Weekend's Eve is one of my favorite. And we are presented by Progressive Insurance. What's that, Shay? Weekend's Eve is one of my more favorite things you say. I like oh, yeah. that. I might have oh, yeah. to, you know, adopt that for my life. Weekend's oh, Eve is Oh, I don't have a good. problem with it. I don't okay, have a good. problem with it. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery, so go <laughs> ahead, you. by all means. And, and, and speaking of which, jumpstart the new year with Body Armor Light, the low-calorie sports drink hydrating your active lifestyle. Shop now at retailers nationwide. Now, Shay... The Brooklyn Nets post-All-Star break have a lot of eyes and ears in the sports world focused on them. Kyrie Irving during the All-Star break told everybody, watch what this team does post-All-Star break. Now, it seemed a little rich coming from him and when he made those comments just because he's a part-time player and he would only be eligible to play in eight of the remaining 23 games that the Brooklyn Nets had. But as of yesterday... When New York Mayor Eric Adams intimated that there could be a change with the vaccine mandate when it comes to indoor spaces like arenas, like the Barclays Center, I think that's got a lot of people optimistic about what the Brooklyn Nets can be. So much so that Caesars has the odds for the Brooklyn Nets as the sole favorite to win the Eastern Conference and the NBA title. So I think it's interesting how everybody is starting to look at this Brooklyn Nets team. And Steve Nash got in on the optimism and the enthusiasm, not only for the team as a whole, but also for Kyrie Irving. And I quote from Steve Nash, he says, I've been, you know, Kyrie Irving has been extremely locked in. Kyrie's been great on the practice floor. He's been great in the film sessions. He's been creating dialogue over aspects of our play. So I sense a real focus and urgency from him. And hopefully he'll play in our games in the short term. Now, We know what the Brooklyn Nets have coming up. They've got 10 games against top eight teams in the Eastern Conference and six right out of the gate. So it'll be really interesting what happens in the short term because you're talking about a Brooklyn Nets team that needs Kyrie Irving sooner rather than later. Yeah, they need Kyrie Irving, and they need Ben Simmons, quite frankly. I mean, look, if this is a team we're going to take seriously in the East, it can't just be the Kevin Durant show. Or, unfortunately, if he has that many minutes and that much pressure pressure piled on his back, it's not that they won't make the playoffs. It's just they can't go as far, even though I believe Kevin Durant to be the best player right now in the NBA when healthy. All that to say, yes, this now will make them, I think, a threat if Kyrie Irving can play more full-time. And I think once he's able to do that, he'll be all the way in. But the question also remains with when's Ben Simmons coming back? Remember, the 76ers and the Nets are going to play on March 10th. Is it all systems go then? I know that game's in Philadelphia, but is that the time where we're going to see Ben Simmons not on a minutes restriction, which perhaps that's what they're trying to avoid, right? Is any sort of minutes restriction for Ben Simmons? And then also... 
Kyrie Irving being a full available player with no restrictions whatsoever in New York City and beyond. I think March 10th is going to be the deadline for all of the above. Well, Shay, our very own Nick Friedell, actually, who actually covers the Brooklyn Nets, he, he said this morning on KJM that he felt like the Brooklyn Nets were going to take a slow approach when it came to Ben Simmons because this is about the long term with the player. They recognize that he's in his mid-20s. He's an all-NBA caliber performer when he's right, and they just want to make sure from a mental health standpoint that he's in a good place before he touches the court. So I'm not too sure that we're going to see Ben Simmons on that March 10th date with the Philadelphia 76ers or even before that. I don't know if that's actually going to happen. And based on where this Brooklyn Nets team is right now, I don't know what that means for their prospects in order to move up in the Eastern Conference standings and out of the play-in games. But here's our Nick Friedell on the Nets' confidence going into the second half of this season. This is a group that says forget what happened for the first two-thirds of this year. You get Kyrie back. You get Ben Simmons in the fold. KD's coming back here in the next couple games. You add Goran Dragic, and you have a, a strong veteran core behind them. Their confidence is such that I've never seen a team at this point of the year with this kind of record that believes, hey, we're going to turn it on. Kevin's coming back. He'll lead us, and we'll get there. Here's the thing, Shay, about this confidence and this flipping of a light switch and turning it on. That's what the Brooklyn Nets thought last year with the big three, right? The conversation all yeah, last year was... but not this late was, in the season. Not this late in the season. Yeah, but the conversation all last year was, well, none of them have been healthy. They've only played seven regular season games together. But once we get them healthy in the postseason, this is going to be the team to watch out for. And they got ousted in the second round of the playoffs by the eventual defend, uh, champion Milwaukee Bucks. But barely. Saying, by, by Kevin Durant's shoe. Like, by barely. We say but barely, but all I'm saying is with, with this team, it seems like we're just waiting for them to all be on the court healthy at the same time, and if that happens, look out, but it doesn't happen. And so I'm wondering with all of the moving parts, with Kyrie Irving and the uncertainty of when he's going to be available, with Kevin Durant dealing with the MCL sprain and the knee injury, and now with Ben Simmons not knowing exactly where his game is at and where his mental health is at, I'm not too sure that we can have the same kind of confidence that the Nets are expressing internally about the prospects of what this team can do this season. If you want to live in this negative space, Cam, uh. <laughs> I can't help you with that, okay? I'm okay. going to live in this positive sphere where the Brooklyn Nets have put all their chips into last season. It didn't work out, and now this season, and creating this super team and the big three and all these things, and I'm going to hope that it all comes together, that Kevin Durant is going to be healthy, which I think we all believe is going to be true, that Ben Simmons is going to be on a no-minutes restriction, and he's going to be mentally prepared to go out and compete at the highest level, the same one he was competing in in, let's say 2019 and that Kyrie Irving because let's be honest when Kyrie Irving's on the floor albeit inconsistently right now for the Brooklyn Nets he matters he makes a difference he makes an immediate impact I forgot about the Goran Dragic news actually until we just brought it up from Nick Friedel that's a sneaky big signing it's a sneaky big signing to throw into the mix as well you could have four big impact players playing in the moment is it gonna take a few games for them to build some chemistry and figure each other out yeah, but in in the immediate, like, what's one week for them to get some chemistry to figure it out, to have some practices together, and to get it moving? Like, well, me, I'll tell you, I'm, what one, I'm Shay, be I will tell you, Shay, I'll tell you what one week is. They're starting off with Boston tonight, and then you're talking about on the road against Milwaukee. 
Then you've got a back-to-back against Toronto. Kyrie can't play in either one of those games. A True. home game against Miami, Kyrie can't play in. And they, then you're talking right about now he can't. And he then you're talking about a road then. game against Boston. So you're talking about of the next six games that they're going to have, Kyrie only being available in two of them, and those are top eight Eastern Conference teams. I don't know that this Nets team has that margin for error when it comes to what they have to do in the second half to avoid being in the play-in tournament, to avoid playing against one of those top seeds out of the gate in the playoffs, and to try to put themselves in a position where they have the easiest path in order to win a championship. That That's the part that concerns me a lot because Kevin Durant is compromised with that knee injury. I know that he looked good in practice. Everybody's saying that it's not going to be long before we see him, but Who's to say what condition he's going to be in and how long he's going to be able to stay healthy given what we've seen the last couple of years? Same thing with Ben Simmons. We don't know what Kyrie Irving's going to be able to do. There are so many questions about this team. I like the depth that they added with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic. But ultimately it comes down to those big three playing like all-star, all-NBA caliber performers and being available more games than not in the remaining 23, and I just don't know that we're going to see all of that happen at the same time. Coming up next, Major League Baseball vows to cancel regular season games if a deal isn't reached by Monday. Doesn't sound too good, but we'll break down the particular. ESPN Radio. Cornette and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. As always, we encourage you to tap in on the Kenny call-in line. Triple eight say ESPN. That's eight 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 say ES eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. And Shay, Major League Baseball and the Major League Players Association, they just can't play nice in the sandbox. They just can't get along. Tony Clark, Rob Manford, they can't seem to sit in the negotiation room longer than a couple of hours before both of them go their separate ways, and both of them acknowledging that they have a long way to go. And so it's led to the Major League Baseball owners coming out and taking a strong stance. Now, this is per a league spokesperson, but Major League Baseball will begin canceling regular season games if the league and the MLPA can't come to some terms on a new CBA by Monday. The games would not be made up and players would not be paid full season salaries. A deadline is a deadline. Missed games are missed games. Salary will not be paid for those games. It's the first time the league has publicly said it would shorten the season if a deal isn't reached by the deadline. The league gave the players until February 28th, two weeks ago, and reiterated it was then, Wednesday, that this was going to be the deadline. So, Shay, it doesn't sound too good for all of the baseball fans out there that are looking for the season to start on time and looking for all of the teams to play 162. Yeah, and you know what? Sport cannot afford to miss games, especially with opening day and when all the hype train is headed towards Major League Baseball, it would be Major League Baseball. Like, if there's Mm -hmm. ever a sport that needs its marquee days to be fully in effect and a full go, it is definitely this sport. And you and I talked about this last week, Canty. Like, a lot of times in different avenues – Sports sometimes mirrors real life. And this push and pull between the MLB and the MLBPA and not being able to agree and sometimes having meetings as short as 15 minutes, 5 minutes, 90 minutes, it's all over the board, is just so ridiculous to me. And it just needs to get resolved, hopefully, by February 28th so we're not still going through this cycle. Now, here's what I worry. That we do come to some sort of an agreement. Then we have players that obviously no one's really done spring training, although everyone's been training on their own, supposedly, and they're ready to go. 
we have an opening day, is everyone just going to fall into the baseball mode immediately once this comes to fruition? Like it's going to take some time. And then we're setting Major League Baseball back yet again. This is a sport that needs to like revolutionize and move forward and adapt and have some sort of coolness or spotlight on them for a good reason. And this ain't it. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the third time in as many years where Major League Baseball is publicly bickering about money with the players. It's just not a good look. First, it happened with the pandemic-impacted season in Mm -hmm. 2020. Then we had another issue in 2021 when it came to whether or not we're going to have the DH in the National League or not, and they decided that they weren't. the players weren't going to give the owners that concession because it seemed like that was something that they could use as a bargaining chip. Meanwhile, it's not in the best interest of your entertainment product when you have the pitchers as an automatic out in half the games. It just doesn't make sense. And the players and the owners both have to grow up in this situation and understand that they need to work together because they're losing ground when it comes to maintaining share when, when, as it pertains to sports entertainment products. And here's our very own Jeff Passan, ESPN Major League Baseball insider. He was on with Barton Hahn earlier, and he talked about Major League Baseball potentially bringing themselves to the point of no return. As much as you want to bank on Shohei Otani and Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and this incredible group of young, talented, dynamic, interesting players, that might not be enough to salvage things because, honestly, people are pissed about this. And I get it. They have the right to be. And Jeff's right about this. I mean, baseball fans are diehard fans, but, Shane, we also know – They have the oldest demographic when it comes to any of the major four professional sports leagues in this country. So that has to be a huge concern for both owners and players. And right now, I don't think that they have that level of awareness where they're acknowledging that and operating with the urgency to try to make sure that they can come to some type of common ground. No, not at all. And then if you think about some of these owners who own teams, let's say, in cold weather situations, me coming from Chicago, for example, opening day, half the time was a snow out. It was delayed and half the stadium was filled, not because they didn't want to be there for opening day, just the weather impacted it tremendously. Mm -hmm. Same with New York City. They've got issues with that as well in terms of opening day. So you have some of these colder weather teams. Maybe owners, people looking at it like, hey, how much revenue am I really going to make in that first week of baseball? How far can I actually push push this to get more and more of what I want, especially if we're deducting from players' salaries? I don't know if you have to pay everyone in the stadium. You're not getting a full ticket price. You have to pay the players and everyone else the ancillary things that go along with it. And you could push this back an extra week to get more of what you want. Maybe that's what they're going to end up doing. It's just a sad scenario for a sport that we used to coin America's pastime that, in my opinion, no longer is. Yeah, because it's a sport that by nature has a lot of downtime. And, and of course, with the emergence of analytics, the way that the game is played, it's a lot of home runs, it's a lot of strikeouts, and not too much in between. Gone are the days of the hit and run and and guys stealing bases and things of that nature. That just doesn't happen anymore. That's baseball 20, 30 years ago. That's not where front offices are going, and that's not what players are incentivized to do. And so, as a result, you have a product that's not as entertaining as it once was, and now you have this public bickering about what this collective bargaining agreement is going to look like and how they're going to split revenue. And, Shay, the part that I think is interesting from the player side is that they want this competitive balance tax threshold to be raised up to incentivize more teams to spend over that $215 million mark. Only three teams last season had payrolls that were over $200 and those were the major markets. So I think the players have a point 
when it comes to the owners using that CBT as a, a salary cap in, in effect. But we'll see how all of those things get worked out. But coming up next, do the 49ers trade Jimmy Garoppolo? We'll have the answer. 